Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Listen, if you love somebody, you're going to speak the truth to them. It's not just the truth in love, it's truth because you love. Listen, if I, if I don't care, I'm not going to bother. When our kids were growing up, I always joked around with them. I think it traumatized them quite a bit. You know, now later in life, it's starting to manifest itself. But I would say, you know, I, I discipline you because I love you. If I didn't love you, I would just say, go juggle knives on the H3. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 2 Thessalonians. The people that we love the most can hurt us and make poor choices. Sometimes we tend to think that not mentioning it is the best way to handle these things. But in today's message with Pastor J.D., you'll be reminded that if you truly love someone, having an honest conversation with them is the best choice. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Take one or two others along, preferably witnesses, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. This has the idea of those who are familiar with the situation, a witness to it, eyewitness, if you will. You take two or more, because that is how it is established, by the testimony of two or more witnesses, two or three witnesses. Well, verse 17 tells us what to do if they still won't listen and won't receive it. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. So what we're going to do now is one by one have... No, I'm just kidding. You <laughs> see the look on some of your faces like, no, what? <laughs> we're going to tell it to you. Everything. I have a whole list. It's going to take me a little while. hope you got time, but that's not what he's saying. You take it to the church leadership. And... If they refuse to listen even to the church, this is Jesus speaking, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. How about that? Wow. You mean, okay, so I go one-on-one just between the two of us. They don't receive it. I don't win them over. I take two or three witnesses. They still don't listen. I bring it to the church leadership. The leadership approaches them, confronts them. They still don't listen. Now I'm supposed to treat them as I would somebody that works for the IRS. You have to understand that the tax collectors were despised in that day, which is kind of interesting because Matthew was a tax collector. (laughs) I'm like, oh, dude. Okay, I digress. (laughs) This is the template. This is what Jesus is saying and Paul is echoing. It's the same truth as the Savior himself taught 
And in so doing, he provides us with this, I'll call it a three-pronged biblical template. Warn them, warn them once, warn them twice, third time, have nothing to do with them. Go to them one-on-one, if they don't receive it, take two or three witnesses, if they still don't receive it, third time, take it to the church, if they still don't receive it, have nothing to do with them. Don't associate with them. If warning them doesn't work, then have nothing to do with them. And it's not like, you know, kick them out of the church, wash your hands of them, shake the sand off your slippers. (laughs) It's not like that. It's more like this. Have nothing to do with them so that they will be ashamed in a sanctified way, and come to their senses and repent. You know that we have an example. It's pretty graphic. I will warn you. We have a graphic example and detailed example of this in Paul's letters to the Corinthian church. So they had this guy who was in open sexual sin, in the church, and it was causing a lot of problems, and they weren't dealing with it. So in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians, listen to this. Paul writes, verse 1, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, presumably his stepmother. And verse 2, not only were they not confronting it, they were proud of it. They were boasting about it. Paul says, and, and you are proud? Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? Kick him out! For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I've already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this. So, when you are assembled, and I am with you in spirit, and I am, (laughs) you know, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And so thankful he doesn't stop there, because he goes on to say, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Stay with me on this. This is very important. This church thought that they were so loving, so accepting, And they were boasting about it. They were proud of, look at how loving we are. Hey, you just come as you are. You do whatever you want. We're not going to confront you. Because we're we're a loving church. Oh, let's just, let's all have a group hug. 
You'll forgive the sanctified cynicism with which I say that, but that's not love. That's called self-love, by the way. Because, see, if you really loved him, (laughs) you would confront him. You would speak the truth in love if you really loved him. (laughs) Listen, I love my children, and they know it. You know how they know it? They know it the same way we know it, as a writer of Hebrews says it. This is how we know we're his children, because he disciplines us. He only disciplines those whom he loves. That's the litmus test, if you will, by which we know that we're his children. I wish it were something else. I wish we could get a certificate, official child of God, instead of a spanking. But it's a spanking, a spiritual spanking. And that's how you know that you're his child. Because think about it, you're not going to spank somebody else's child. That's not your child. You're not going to discipline them. That's what he's saying. <laughs> you, know, you know you're my child because I'm disciplining you. If you weren't my child, I wouldn't spank you. I'm, I'm spanking you because you're my kid. I said it that way. That makes, makes it more palatable, I suppose. In other words, if you really love them, you would confront them. If you really love them, and here's this church going, man, we're so loving, we're such a loving church. And Paul's like, that's not love. You think that's love? That's not love. This is love. From where we get that famous, as we affectionately refer to it, love chapter. Oh, we, we've so oh, sanitized it and, you know, prettied it up and dressed it up and toned it down and so much so that we recited at weddings. It was a rebuke. You think that's what love is? You're openly tolerating incest, sexual sin in the church. That's not what love is. This is what love is. Love is, and then there you go. Listen, if you love somebody, you're going to speak the truth to them. It's not just the truth in love. It's truth because you love. Listen, if I, if I don't care, I'm not going to bother when our kids were growing up, I always joked around with them. I think it traumatized them quite a bit. You know, now later in life, it's starting to manifest itself. But I would say, you know, I, I discipline you because I love you. If I didn't love you, I would just say, go juggle knives on the H3. Because <laughs> I don't care, because I don't love you. It doesn't matter. The, f- the fact that I'm correcting you and disciplining you and chastising you and correct- correcting you is because I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't bother. I'd be like, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Nope, doesn't affect me. But boy, when you really love somebody, you love them enough. Could you imagine you go into a doctor's office? Don't do that now. You go into a doctor's office, and the doctor's like, you know, you've got cancer, but... He, he doesn't want to tell you the truth. 
And so he doesn't speak the truth to you because he doesn't want you to get upset. That's love, but that's self-love. He's thinking more about himself than he is his patient. You see where I'm going? So let's talk just a a bit about this last part of verse 5. So Paul is saying, you, you kick him out of the church. If you really love him, you'll kick him out of the church. And you'll give him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Now, if you were to leave it right there, you would think that is so unloving. (laughs) That is really cruel. That is wrong. It's not wrong. It's for the purpose of him coming to his senses, coming to repentance in his shame. There's a godly sorrow and shame that leads to repentance. There's two kinds of sorrow. There's the sorrow of being caught, and there's the godly sorrow that actually leads to change, coming to your senses. I always like to use the traffic illustration because I'm a law-abiding citizen when I drive. I have a lot of sermon illustrations from traffic. And uh, I haven't had a ticket in something like 30-some years now, so I just want you to know that. That's not because I don't speed. That's because I haven't got caught. There, is that better? It's a good thing I said that, otherwise there would be a lightning bolt right behind me. (laughs) So let's just say you get pulled over. Uh, You get caught. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, officer. Why are you sorry? I'm sorry that I got caught speeding. That's why. Well, that's the sorrow of being caught, and it leads to no change. That doesn't lead to repentance. If I was truly sorry, and I get caught speeding, if it was truly a sorrow, then I would change my driving habits. I want you to know I'm walking in victory. Driving in victory, actually, in this case. But, I mean, that's the difference between the sorrow of being caught and the godly sorrow that leads to change and repentance. And this is what Paul is saying. If you really love him, you'll do this not to him, for him. Give him over to Satan. Do that for him, not to him, for him. So he'll come to his senses and repent. And guess what? Spoiler alert, it worked. It worked. How do you know? Oh, so glad you asked. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Man, you got to love these Corinthians. They're, they were so extreme. I, I, I guess we shouldn't be too hard on them. They go to the other extreme. Listen to what Paul writes. If anyone has caused grief, verse 5, He has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. It worked. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed with excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. 
In other words, this guy repents, he comes to his senses. I mean, after all, he's been given over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. And he he repents. It's a godly sorrow that leads to a genuine repentance. And he wants to come back to the church. And the church is going, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. (laughs) Oh, no, you can't. Yeah, but no, you were right. Thank you. You guys must really love me and care for me. And thank you so much for doing that. I I needed that to happen in order to come to my senses. Now can I come back to church? No. Paul's like, you guys, come on, man. Restore the guy. Reaffirm your love for him. Receive him back. Restore him. When Paul writes to the Galatian church, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But, now listen to this, watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. What he's saying is what the Savior is saying. That if you really love, and is that not how we fulfill the law? We love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. And we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's the, that sums it up. That's the greatest commandment that Jesus gave. Because if I love God that much, I'm not going to sin against God. And if I love you that much, I'm not going to sin against you. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love fulfills the law. So it's in love because we love, and there has to be this gentleness in the way that we restore those who have truly and sincerely repented. So we have a question we need to answer, an issue we need to address. Why? Why is this so serious and... Why does this rise to the level of warranting such a serious and decisive response? Answer, because God is ferociously protective of his church. And if someone poses a threat of harm to his church, God takes that very seriously. I'm going to take a a step further. I'll back it up by Scripture. But I would suggest that this issue of troublemakers within the church rises to the level of an abomination in the sight of God. An abomination. Yeah, an abomination. It's not a word we use much in our vocabulary these days. It's abominable. Not only is it an abomination, God hates it. God hates you. 
I thought God, God is love. He is. But he hates this. You know, when Jesus says God hates divorce, never think for a second that God hates the divorce. No, God hates divorce. Why? Because of what divorce does to the divorced. You follow me? Why does God hate this? Because of what it does to his people. Why is this an abomination? Because of what it does to those whom he loves. That's why. Proverbs chapter 6. We just finished the book of Proverbs. We will start. Not sure when, but listen to verse 12, Proverbs 6. A troublemaker and a villain who goes about with a corrupt mouth, who winks maliciously with his eye, signals with his feet and motions with his fingers, who plots evil with deceit in his heart. He is always stirring up conflict. You know, there are some people that I mean, it's that's just who they are. Everywhere they go, they're causing problems. They're stirring up trouble. They're stirring up conflict. It's like they, they wake up in the morning and they, they, they're not happy unless they can get into an argument on social media because it's an adrenaline rush. There's also some other chemicals too, dopamine and others that are at play there. No, for real. And they get off on it. They, they thrive on it. They, they love it. They live for it. And that's why they do it. Verse 15, Therefore disaster will overtake him in an instant. He will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Why? That doesn't... If God's so loving, why? Because he's protecting the innocent from that. Verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Here they are. The seventh is an abomination. Here's the list. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes. This world is a dark and depressing place at times. There's no denying it. But there is light. There is hope. That hope is Jesus. Jesus is alive is going to return to earth one day to rid it of evil forever. You can trust this. He's always been faithful and he always will be. Until he returns, though, Jesus has commissioned his followers to be his hands and feet right here in the middle of the darkness. Being a Christian is more than just words. It's actions as well. As you've learned in this study of 2 Thessalonians, every believer is called to live a godly life 
following that example that Jesus set long ago. You're asked to live selflessly, showing love in practical ways to others. This will be a witness to the world of the hope that exists in Christ. We're so glad you tuned in to In Spirit and Truth. We know that following Jesus isn't always easy. Sometimes it can be intimidating to share the gospel. With that in mind, we'd like to offer a simple guide that will help the ABCs of salvation. You can find these on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Just take a look at the resources tab. This will explain why it's so important to put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. We pray this is an asset as you shine for Jesus and share His hope. If you'd like more information about In Spirit and Truth or would like to connect with us, visit inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find more of Pastor J.D.'s messages there, too, and service times if you'd like to join us for church at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. La, la, la.